0: Gospel according to Luke, the ninth chapter and the 18th through the 22nd verse. And it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he questioned them, saying, Who do people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist, and others said, Elijah, but others that one of the prophets of old has risen. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. But he warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and, and, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. I want to begin by telling you two very different stories that occurred this past week that I believe paint a really, really good picture of race relations in this nation. The first story is of a video that has now gone viral, which shows two teenagers fighting in a mall in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. From the video, the altercation began with what appeared to be a white young man challenging what appeared to be a black young man. In defense of himself, the black young man pushed the finger of his white aggressor out of his face, which led to a melee, which the white aggressor, who is bigger, throws the young black man of color onto the floor, sits on his chest, and begins to punch him. When the two officers arrived, they lifted the white young man and they sat him on a couch, instructing him to stay there. And then they proceeded to place their knees on the young black man on the ground and place him in handcuffs. It was clear from the video that the police automatically assumed that the black young man was the instigator, and so he did not receive the benefit of the doubt. The second story is about the sentencing of former police officer Kim Potter, who was convicted of killing 20-year-old Dante Wright. Yeah, yeah. Her defense was that she thought that she had pulled her taser instead of her service weapon when she fired upon the young man, killing him. Now, now based on the conviction, the sentencing guidelines in Minnesota is supposed to be anywhere between 6 to 18 years, Mm -hmm. but instead... The judge sentenced her to a mere two years, stating that it actually should have been even less. Why? Because police officers have very dangerous lives and their jobs are very dangerous, keeping the peace. It was clear from the judge's point of view that even though Miss Potter was convicted of first and second degree manslaughter by a jury of her peers. The judge, however, saw Miss Potter as the victim and therefore eligible to receive the benefit of the doubt. Two very different stories that bring into question the subjective perspectives from people that led to two very different outcomes yet both sharing one thing in common, which is doubt. And so today, as we continue to talk about black history during this month, and in the context of our text from Luke, I've elected to preach a message that I've titled, quite simply, The Benefit of the Doubt. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, for this Opportunity that you've given to us to preach your word. Father, help us not to be distracted. Okay. Spirit of the living God, yeah. help our minds and our hearts to stay focused on you. Yes, Lord. For while, Father, there may be some that may think this message is about black people or white people or even race, this message is about you and your identity. So speak to us now, Lord, for your children are listening. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I pray that the eyes and the ears of your hearts will be open to what thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. The word doubt, doubt, simply means to call into question something that is true. In other words, if something is true, then any statement or inference that seeks to question the validity of that truth, it's what we call doubt. From a biblical perspective, first introduced to this idea of doubt in the Garden of Eden in the exchange that we see in the book of Genesis, the third chapter, reading from the first to the fifth verse. Here's what it says. Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. Mm -hmm. And he said to the woman, has God really said, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Mm. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. The fascinating thing that emerges from this exchange in the text is is that it begins by highlighting that the serpent was more cunning or let's say even more crafty than any other beast of the field. Now let's be clear. The serpent was cunning. The serpent was crafty. But not only cunning and crafty, but more cunning and more crafty than any of the other animals that the Lord God had made. The point of this declaration is that whatever cunning the serpent was up to, whatever craftiness he was concocting, whatever beguiling he was conjuring, it was premeditated. Well, well. You, you see, the serpent did not accidentally stumble upon Eve in the garden. The, the, the serpent did not accidentally initiate a conversation with Eve in the garden. The serpent did not accidentally beguile Eve in the garden. The serpent was intentional and its actions were premeditated. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, in a similar way, the serpent did not accidentally fire 41 shots, killing Amadou Diallo. The serpent's noose did not accidentally fire shots, find its way around the necks of countless African Americans. The serpent's dogs were not accidentally dispatched on John Lewis and others on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And yeah. make no mistake about it, the serpent, make no mistake about it, the serpent did not accidentally put its knee on George Floyd's neck. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, no. No. Up. No. The serpent was intentional and its actions were premeditated. And because the serpent's actions were premeditated, Satan, you're unnoticed. Because the serpent's actions were premeditated, the serpent cannot be given the benefit of the doubt. Well, well. By saying it this way, yeah. I'm making the case that a premeditated act is a willful intent to make something happen. And in the case of Eve in the garden, the serpent, true to its nature, willfully intended to kill Adam and Eve. But the serpent was crafty. So instead of acting directly on its intent to kill, (laughs) it, it, it asks a question. It asks a question. Has God really said You shall not eat. This is the first known seed of doubt that was planted, and it is a very powerful tool, hear me, brothers and sisters, when it is used with premeditation. Stay with me. Did did she really mean to pull her taser instead of her gun? Mm. Doubt. Mm. Didn't it look like a gun even though it was a cell phone? Doubt. Doubt. He's not from this neighborhood. Is he? Doubt. I I thought he was coming towards me. Doubt. And in the case of Amy Cooper, the dog walker in Central Park, that I'm sure many of you probably remember, she stated, I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Doubt. All of these instances, in my opinion, have one thing in common. They're all based on the preconceived notion that black people, and especially black men, are a menacing threat and who, by their very presence, presents an existential threat to the peace and safety of law-abiding white citizens. Church, I choose my words very carefully And I'm not mincing my words. Our society functions with an undercurrent of racism that is reflected in an attitude that is animus, that is constantly, constantly and consistently directed towards people of color. It is a disease and a sickness that has found its way into the very social fabric of every single institution in this world, casting so much doubt that causes even well-meaning people, consciously or unconsciously, to ask, it is because he's black, isn't it? Whenever they come upon a situation that they do not have any other frame of reference for other than the same racist societal imagery that this system and the dominant culture promotes and perpetuates. The spirit of doubt blinds people to the point that they lack even common sense and is the undisputed reason why black people are undervalued, underestimated, and marginalized. It's called social conditioning. And according to radio talk show host Joe Madison, these three are the manifestations of the belief that white is superior and black is inferior. In other words, because of the attitudes largely perpetuated by the racist consciousness of the dominant culture, black people or people of color are not or rarely given the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt is to make either a favorable assessment or to take some kind of action that works for the welfare of another person despite information that may be to the contrary. That's a lot of words. What I mean is to give someone the benefit of the doubt is to offer a concession to a person or a statement that must be regarded as correct or justified even if it's not proven. Said another way, I will believe you even though I might not be sure. (laughs) Let me say that again. To get the benefit of the doubt is to say, I believe you even though I might not be sure. Can you right now, every single person listening to me, particularly if you are African American, can say that that's what people offer to you when you are in their presence. I believe you even though I'm not quite sure. I believe that you came into this store well-meaning and I don't need to send security to follow you around. Come on. I believe you when I see you walking down the street. And even though you may have a hoodie on, you don't mean me any harm. I believe you. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Brothers and sisters, that is not our testimony. So when you say to me, oh, you know, this nation is, is, is so wonderful, it's so good. You need to talk to someone who has not been given the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> This is what I say. We don't receive from the dominant culture the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And God forbid you are tall, dark, and handsome like Ken. Come on, preacher. You walk into a room with a lot of folks, and automatically purses get clutched. Collar or no collar. The benefit of the doubt is something that is a foreign concept to people of color and it takes no prisoner, why? Because it's a subtle way that the the, the serpent can get away with it. Hmm. Is this really your apartment or are you visiting someone? Is this your neighborhood? Do you, how did you get that car? Hmm. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? I'm talking about not receiving the benefit of the doubt. But I've digressed. Luke, the ninth chapter, the 18th to the 22nd verse, says, and it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he questioned them, saying, who do people say that I am? They answered and said, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, but others, that you are one of the prophets that has risen from old. And he said to them, but, 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 who do you, Say that I am. And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. But he warned them and instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. The text here is pretty straightforward, John, in the sense that Jesus first asks his disciples, who? do people say that he was? This is a question about society, or as I like to call it, the dominant culture's view of his identity. You see, by this time, Jesus had performed many miracles, including the healing of people of various diseases, up to and including even raising the dead. Jesus' fame, we know, grew all over Palestine, and his popularity had progressed to the point that he would even try to pull away and to get by himself, but what? People would somehow find him, and then there would be so much crowd around him that he didn't even know what to do. A great way to think about Jesus' fame at this point is like our modern-day celebrities. And I, I was trying to think of... Celebrity, but I couldn't think of too many. But if someone happens to spot, say, Kim Kardashian or some such person in a coffee shop, it wouldn't take long before the paparazzi and crowds of fans begin to interrupt her own quiet time. So it was with Jesus. You see, he could not easily find a moment of peace in any place. Mm. So the Palestinian world or that dominant culture had a perception of Jesus, and it is regarding that perception why Jesus asked the question, who do these people say that I am? In Reflecting on this question, especially during Black History Month, here is what I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. Who do people say that we are? do people say that we as black people are? What is the dominant culture's view of who we are? Well, I can give you a few responses, if you don't mind, and you can judge them to be true or not. Some people would say black people are shiftless and lazy. Black people are always angry and aggressive. Black people are prone, genetically, to violence. Black people have limited intellectual capacity. Black people are all on welfare, and they are leeches on society. Black people are are mostly athletic, and so they should just shut up and dribble. Notice all of these criticisms are focused on what people think we do or don't do, instead of focusing on our identity, meaning who we are. So Jesus asks the question, who do people (laughs) say That I am to which comes the response Eh, John the Baptist maybe Elijah one of the prophets that has risen but said another way brothers and sisters they don't know who he was Mm -hmm. they've seen what he's done but they don't know who he was despite everything that Jesus had done they still did not know who he was Despite turning water into wine, they didn't know him. Despite raising the dead, they didn't know him. Despite healing the sick, they didn't know him. Despite all of this, they did not know who Jesus was. And it is the very same for me and for you in this nation as well. Despite, despite fighting in every war since the Civil War, they don't know us despite contributing to the scientific, cultural, technological advancement of this nation, they don't know us. Well, despite, despite suffering through Jim Crow and choosing to peacefully protest instead of instigating a violent insurrection against the government, they don't know us. My point is, they don't know Jesus, and they don't know us. Amen. But, but, but that is what we can and should expect from the dominant culture. We shouldn't expect anything more from the dominant culture. So black people, stop looking for validation from other people. Come on, we need to get to the place where we know who we are, whether other people know it or not. I hope this is getting through. But the most important question, <laughs> Is not what society thought of Jesus. The most important question was what you think of him. Yeah, yeah. Who do you say that Jesus is? Are you like the dominant Palestinian culture that says, hey, he's John the Baptist, come back, Elijah, one of the prophets that has risen Or are you some like in this American culture that says he's a good man like Buddha or Muhammad or Joseph Smith or the Dalai Lama or something else or worse? Do you share the same image of Jesus that is held by white evangelicals who love to show Jesus with guns and ammunition draped around the American flag? The question of who do you say Jesus is? is not a question for society, but instead a question for the church. And if we in the church are not clear on the identity of who Jesus is, then what hope is there for anyone to find salvation? When Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? He wanted to make sure that no matter what, Or how the world may see him. It is vastly more important how we as the church see him. That's the reason why he was delighted when Peter declared the Christ of God. You are the Christ of God. In other words, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Born of the Virgin Mary, yeah. who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, who descended into hell, who rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and who is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, yeah. and from there, the one who will come again to judge the living and the dead he is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world he is the bright and that morning star he is the king of kings and the lord of lords he is jehovah incarnate and he is god this is who Jesus yes, is. Yeah. <laughs> and church, yeah. if we don't know this, then we don't know Him, yeah. and without any doubt, yeah. I am telling you, this is yeah. the truth. Yes, right, <laughs> but 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 knowing the real identity of Jesus uh-huh. does not stop there. Mm. Jesus then went on further to warn the disciples instructing them. Now this is the part that I need you to really get in your spirits. Jesus after Peter made this revelation says this to the disciples shh do not tell this to anyone the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised On the third day, Jesus told his disciples not to tell anyone about his true identity because this information was going to be costly, not just to himself, but to them as well. Jesus wanted to make sure, here in the church, that when the time came for him to be falsely accused. When the time came that they would be hearing things about him that were not true. When the time came that the serpent would be sowing seeds of doubt about his identity by telling them and making sure that they knew he was the Christ of god when they hear these rumors they were to stand strong and to give him the benefit of the doubt he wanted to make sure that they knew who he was from himself so when you hear the lies they were to give him the benefit of the doubt when he was charged with blasphemy give him the benefit of the doubt when they accuse him of being a drunkard give him the benefit of the doubt when they accuse him of breaking the law give him the benefit of the doubt when they accuse him of being a false prophet and of course when they accuse him of sowing seeds of sedition in an insurrection against Rome give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When all these accusations come. Give him. Yeah. At the very least. The church. Hmm. Forget about society. And the dominant culture. At the very least the church. Yeah. Must be clear on who he is. Yes, sir. So we can give him. The benefit of the doubt. Yes, sir. Yeah. So today. Yeah. Today. I make a very simple appeal to everyone, black, white, green, yellow, pink, indigo, violet, and all points in between. If you have even, come Holy Spirit, if you have even a modicum of awareness of black history and what we have suffered and endured in this nation. Anywhere or anywhere in this world, if you have even a little clue about how our people have suffered, then I'm asking you, world, give us the benefit of the doubt. When you hear that we are shiftless and lazy, when you hear that we are always angry and aggressive, and I'm angry right now, When you hear that we have limited intellectual capacity. When you hear them call us animals and throw bananas on soccer fields when our teams are playing. When when you hear that we only complain and should be grateful to this nation that we sweat blood and died for when you hear that all we do is play the race card, when you hear that we are violent and we are riotous and you hear that we are thuds, when you hear that all we are looking for is a handout, then brothers and sisters yeah. reject vehemently those racist stereotypes and points of view that others choose to hold and to give us benefit of the doubt for the truth is we too are God's children created in his image in his very image and that is something that can never ever be in doubt no matter how crafty or even how cunning that serpent might be We are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen generation. And I believe with all of my heart, and I say this often, thank God for the spirit of the African American. For with everything that we see happening in this nation, America, be grateful that black people are still praying for you. Yeah. Be afraid when we have lost hope in the ideals of what this nation was founded on. We are foolish and gullible enough to believe in the Constitution of the United States. And the only thing we ask even in this celebration of black history is that you play by the same rules. For we don't want a handout. <laughs> if truth be told, and if you really know who we are, then you will quickly know that we have been the ones giving you the handout all these years. So, Amen. to all of our young people, hold on to God's Unchanging hands. We are His beautiful creation. And from my heart to yours, I love you. And God does too. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.